Hello, everyone. Welcome to another quarantine Corona apocalypse episode of Sex, Love, and Injectables. I am your host, Heather Finks, and that bitch Carol Baskin definitely murdered her ex-husband. Yep, America, we as a nation have hit an all-time low. I think last time I checked, which was like, I don't know, 20 minutes ago, because... All we have is Netflix right now. But I think that Tiger King is still number one on Netflix. And I, for one, am totally guilty of binge watching that shit. Because what else am I going to do with my life right now? Something productive, like read a book? No. No, fam. I'm going to watch glorious music videos of Joe Exotic where that tiger saw a fucking man. So anyway, this is week three of this quarantine bullshit, and today we are going to talk with one of my best friends. He is my gay husband, a.k.a. Guzmund, over the phone, of course, because social distancing, but he actually beat coronavirus, and not that I want you guys to go through what he went through, but just in case you do, this is a way for you to have a little bit more accurate information of what it's like in the case that you did. So anyway, quarantine time. So week three, I've reached the point where the days don't matter, literally have no idea what day it is. And I'm so short fused with everything that I'll snap at the smallest, tiniest little thing. I'm just over it. Um, For example, I got mad. What did I get mad at the other other day? Um, yeah. Oh, my fucking iPhone. My iPhone would not recognize my face for like three hours. And you know why? Because it couldn't recognize the quarantine edition of my face. And I get it. I have eyelash tabs on. My roots are popping, not in a cute way. I get why, (laughs) but the disrespect, like the audacity that my iPhone had, I almost got rid of that thing and got a Samsung, but two things. One, there's no phone store open to get a Samsung, but also two, you can't trust a Samsunger. So there was that. And you all know what I'm talking about. If you get a text from a dude or guys, if you get a text from a chick and it comes back green, no, it's a no. We don't know why. We just know that it's a no. So all I can say, because I'm so short fused, is thank God I'm quarantining as a single woman. I would feel so sorry for the man that could have quarantined with me. Like we we would have definitely murdered each other by now. And just looking back, like talking with all of my friends who have quarantine partners right now, I'm 100% sure that divorce attorneys are going to be experiencing their all-time career high after all of this shit. And you can quote me on it. Like it's going to, it's going to happen. Um, and I asked you guys on Instagram, what the dumbest thing was that you fought with your significant other about during the quarantine. And you guys had me rolling. So let me pull this up real quick so that y'all can appreciate what I appreciated because it's kind of, it's kind of amazing in a sad way. So again, I asked you guys, what is the dumbest thing that you're arguing with your significant other about during quarantine? Here are some of the responses. He didn't fix the hand towel in the bathroom. He basically, he didn't put the hand towel back in place straight. Uh, next being on his phone playing music uh what else using the q-tips in the decorative jar in the bathroom and not using the q-tips under the sink that motherfucker breathing (laughs) breathing loud and being present i understand chewing and let's be honest breathing those are two separate entries by the way um (laughs) this is good he said good morning and asked if I wanted coffee and just him speaking made me so mad. (laughs) Coughing, biting his spoon when he eats. Okay. I can understand that one for telling me not to eat any more chips. Also being my spouse. And then last 
about where we were going to get takeout, we got so mad that we turned around and went home. Y'all, so basically the conclusion is if you breathe, I I don't even I don't even want you around. The audacity of you breathing around me, like just go to the other room. So what I'm getting from this is I don't know, maybe you guys need to take like a space time out from each other. Like maybe go have a couple days in your room, but have separate rooms for a couple days. <laughs> but either way, I would just like to say thank you to the universe and to the great Lord that he chose for me this time of being single during the quarantine. Cause it just, it sounds really bad on that side. I've, I'm sorry, you guys, I really, I really am sorry. So anyways, I, I don't have a quarantine partner you know, except my kids are with me half the time, but otherwise it's just myself. And at this point I get on my own nerves, dead ass serious. So the kids, you know, like I said, they're with their dad half, half of the time. So they only have to deal with half of my bullshit, but the other half is full on quarantine mood swings central. And there's no happy medium. There's no in between. I'm either like badass homeschool teacher slash boss, babe, or we're tripling our screen time while we eat corn dogs and I cry in the corner. That's a hundred percent and depiction of what's going on. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. So anyway, for me, quarantining is like herding cats through a river, but the river's on fire and it's not actually water. It's actually gasoline and there's no end in sight, but it's fine. I'm fine. Everything is fine. It's fine. It's just, it's, it's a fucking, it's a weird time to be alive. It's like the twilight zone and you guys, I'm sorry. You're just stuck with me because you can't really have fun guests coming in like you normally could for these awesome podcasts when you're in fucking quarantine. Life is just weird. And I've been trying so, so hard to follow the routine I've been preaching to you guys about, but then There are some days when I wake up and it's like 10 a.m. and I'm like, fuck this shit. I'm staying horizontal. I don't care. I do what I want. And then add in the gross weather we got blessed with and bam, it's a fucking shit storm. I'm Karen and I want to talk to the manager immediately. So, and I'm not going to lie. When this thing first started, I was kind of looking forward to the break. And I know what you're saying, like, you're a fucking idiot. I get it, and I am. But I was actually welcoming a little bit of relaxation because they, and I don't know who the fuck they are, but initially they said April 6th, which would be yesterday. Then they said April 20th. Then they said April 30th. And now, currently, they're saying May 20th. Like, this is the longest overtime game in the history of sports, except nobody's fucking winning. And I totally stole this from the internet. I can't remember who it's from, but it's funny and it's relatable, so whatever. But the beginning of this quarantine was, like, me getting up early, cooking breakfast every morning to now where my kids are running past me half naked with a half full bag of Doritos and a two liter of Sprite. And we all just kind of nodded each other in agreement of like, this is acceptable because there's no rules. This is, this is survival mode, bitches. So anyway, what's been happening since last week? Since you guys last, I think last week we did dating disasters with my best friend, Mary, um, just so that we had a little bit of a break from the monotony of coronavirus. And so now we're back at it. What's been happening since then? Well, I'm still unemployed, but getting unemployment pay, which let me add this, it's not enough to pay all the bills, but I am eternally grateful for it. So don't throw shade on me. Um, I also might be an alcoholic and let me backtrack to say I am an alcoholic now. I feel like quarantine is equivalent to like being at the airport. So let's say you have a 7 a.m. flight. You're going to show up to the airport at what, 530? And you might go sit at the bar. I don't know what the rules are for each airport, but from what I can recall, you can go and have a drink at the airport and it'd be like 6 a.m. and it's perfectly acceptable. This is how I feel like quarantine is. I don't care if it's 7 a.m. and you just got up. We be drinking like that's just how it is. Plus, I feel like I'm supporting all of my small business friends in the restaurant industry every time I get curbside alcohol, which is frequently. And, you know, we don't really know when, when like 
if this will ever in the history of our lives happen again. And I'm not talking about, you know, being quarantined. I'm actually talking about the fact that we can order a gallon of margarita to go. So I feel like I need to take advantage of this. And by the way, a gallon of margarita can go a long way when you're jogging the Trinity trails that may or may not be from personal experience, plead the, plead the fifth. So anyway, alcoholic. And lastly, I'm now a level expert at zoom meetings. And I think I've done like 200,000 now. And although it's not the same as seeing my friends in person, it's a really good alternative. So yeah, that's really about it. I really want to do a themed zoom meeting. So if you guys are interested, please let me know. But I'm thinking like Tiger King themed where I can dress as Carol Baskin. Somebody else can dress as Joe Exotic. Maybe John. We don't know. I think he could pull off a mullet since he has a beard now. <laughs> but I really think that that's a great idea. And if you agree with me, please DM me so that I, I don't feel stupid because I know somebody else out there will do it with me. Um, I'm still living the TikTok life. So I need to put it back. You guys follow me on there. Just give me a little bit of love. It's injector underscore Heather. And don't make fun of me. Just like it so that I get affirmation because that's my love language. Okay. Okay. So anyway, I'm just wasting away time waiting for the day that I can go back to regular life programming. And if that doesn't happen soon, I'm probably going to have to start coming up with alternative streams of income. And I'm not above virtual stripping, but I'm also not graceful. So I think that that option is out. So really that just leaves me with a couple of options that I've, I think, so I've, I've thought about this for a long time and really put some good, you know, critical thinking into this and trying to figure out like, what am I going to do? I'm very entrepreneurial, how I'm going to make money in the quarantine. And I came up with the most genius answer and it's foot fetish photos, right? Like I could sell pictures of my feet and make money. I'm not above that. My feet, I mean, they're not super cute, but they're not ugly. So I feel like I could charge, I don't know, maybe $200 for a photo of normal feet and then crank it up and do Walmart feet for like $500. And I don't know. I just, I think that I can make a killing. And, you know, the reason why is because I don't really have many other useful skill sets besides injecting. And I don't know, maybe other than telling you guys what not to do on dates. And since nobody's dating right now, foot pictures are just going to have to do. Uh, and this is another joke that I stole from the Internet, um, because I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the Internet is gold right now. But here's the joke. I've, <laughs> and this is going back to dating. I finally feel ready to be in a relationship and then bam worldwide pandemic to shake out. Anyway, so that was, that was a random joke that if you know me, I'm super ADD. So that just is what it is. But that in a nutshell is what I've been going through for the last three weeks. So John, you're up. Um, what have you been up to? Have you, <laughs> I hate that question. It's like, what have you been up to? Because every answer that I've given is like, not much, motherfucker. What have you been up to? Actually, um, I have uh, recently become a cam girl. Oh. So I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> oh, um, had my first live stream a couple of nights ago. How'd that go? Uh, it went well. It went well. You know, um, still, you know, brushing out, you know, kind of worked through all the kinks. Before you say anything else, I have to interject because after the last episode aired, I had so many females DMing me like, who's John talking about how he wants to please these, but how do we find more Johns? Especially after I was like, John's not single. Like they don't think that, that you exist. So the fact that you have a cam girl site now is amazing. Hey, I'm going to let you guys know that after this quarantine, I may be asexual and celibate. Yeah. Tell forever. me more. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I may be not Enough only said. single, but a one man, man, with myself only forever. I feel that. I feel that. Seriously, this this uh, this quarantine is uh, it can be very very uh, testing. Yeah, testing patience, of the patience. The sanity. People breathing. Mm. The audacity. Kissing noises. Uh uh. <laughs> if you kiss it, my dog, one more time. One more again. I'm about to one slap the lips off your face. Rip your lips off. <laughs> 
throw them away. It's so close to being there. But uh, as soon as I publicly share my cam girl site, I will let you guys know. Yeah, if you will, because I have a lot of friends uh, and they have friends. And I think that, you know, this is a good opportunity for you. Hey, you know, I could actually put some money in my pocket. I'm thinking so. You know, we should discuss this business plan. Maybe you can. uh, What's another word for pimp me out? Uh, Madame. I can be your madame. You can be my madame. Yeah, I have experience in this. Deal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Done. (laughs) Why haven't we done this before? (laughs) What the fuck? Let's (laughs) madame me all the time. I'm about to madame the shit out of you. Girl, madame the (laughs) hell out of me. Come on. Mm -hmm. Okay, anyways. (laughs) We might go back, but for now, let's move on. So I have a guest today that I would like to introduce. Thanks to technology, we're able to have him joined by phone. He is my best friend. He is my gay husband, a.k.a. my husband. He is also a genius. He works as an acute care nurse practitioner, and I love him so, so much. Um, He has been on the front line of this coronavirus pandemic, taking care of those affected, which unfortunately led him to contract the virus a little over two weeks ago. Um, So we have the opportunity to talk with him now that he's beat this thing to hopefully prepare you guys a little more and just give you more accurate information. So first off, Brant, thank you so incredibly much for agreeing to come on here and talk to us. Brant was actually Absolutely. supposed he was supposed to interview with the local news before this and he was like, um, no, I need to talk to my bestie first. So thank you, Brant. <laughs> I feel so special. Um, I know I aren't I already introduced you a little bit, but fill in anything I missed. So tell us about yourself. Um, yeah, I'm a nurse practitioner, acute care nurse practitioner, and I was a flight nurse for a long time and a shock trauma ICU nurse for a long time, cardiovascular ICU nurse for a long time. So 23 years um, doing uh, just medicine, the only thing I know how to do. Brant, tell the uh, listeners how much I know about medicine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Heather. Marie yeah. talked some mad shit the other day because I'm an expert at Botox and filler and I, I do really good with it. But if I if you come see me for like a cold, I'm like, ooh, I guess you should probably just go get some duct tape, throw some dirt on it. <laughs> no, you, you'd pick it right back up. Thanks, Brian. All right. So. So I asked the listeners what questions they had for you. So let's just start there. So how how did the symptoms start? So I originally had my first symptom was on a Thursday night. And or actually, I'm sorry, it was a uh, Tuesday night. And I was driving to work. And I have about a 50-minute commute. And I just felt worn out. Didn't... Um, didn't know why, because I mean, I'm, I was on call that night. And so I was like, maybe I just didn't get enough sleep, but it was, it was just a different type of worn out. It wasn't uh, lack of sleep or anything like that. It was just fatigue. And uh, anyway, I got to work and kind of just uh, poo-pooed it off. And um, about midnight, one of my, uh, doctors that I work with, he looked at me and it's like, man, you just, you don't look good. And I'm like, I don't feel good. And, uh, I felt a little bit warm, went and took my temperature. Um, and it was like right around 99.9. So just low grade temperature. And I did, I went to my sleep room and just kind of crashed for about an hour, woke up and, uh, Temp was like 102 at that point. And uh, it just, like over the next hour, it just kept going up. So anyway, um, because of I had actually admitted two really sick patients with COVID earlier in the week. And uh, because of that, they decided to uh, just send me right to the ER and get uh, do all the testing. So uh, usually when you start having these symptoms, you're not allowed to just walk in and get a test anywhere. Um, 
especially back then when I was diagnosed, you actually had to call the state and get, and they had to approve a, like a pin code for you. And, uh, so anyway, I, um, they, they tested me and, um, when they did the COVID test, they ran like all these other tests just to make sure that, you know, it wasn't like a, just a, uh, like flu or pneumonia or anything like that. And I did have strep throat. So I was pretty confident that, okay, you just have strep throat. You don't have COVID. Um, I'm going to just go home and go to sleep. So on the way home, um, just felt worse and worse. So I get home, crashed out, wake up with temperatures of like 104.5. So, oh, wow. So you said that, uh, that you did. That was basically my first symptom. You, you said that you did test positive for strep throat? Yes. Initially, I tested. So back then, the COVID test was taking about 24 hours. If you lived in Austin, and I do, I live here in Austin. So uh, because the testing facilities here, um, they got them a lot quicker. So it would take about two days to get it done. And uh, really, if you test positive for anything else, like the flu, or they suspect you have pneumonia, or they think you, or if you have strep, a positive strep, um, they're supposed to stop the line at that point and not test you for COVID. Oh, wow. They want you, they basically want to just say, oh, that's the reason you're sick. You know, you had strep throat. But luckily for me, when <clears throat> when they decided to do the strep, they'd already sent the COVID off. So uh, like two days later, I think we got the results. And yeah, it was um, one of those things that like, they call you and you're like, and I'm feeling like just really bad, like 104.5 and starting to cough a little bit and uh, thinking I may have a little shortness of breath, but I think that was just my anxiety. But uh, right. yeah, they call you and um, you're feeling so horrible. You're just like, I'm a goner, you know, but uh, anyway, two imagine. days later, um Temperatures started coming down, felt a lot better um, as far as, you know, not having the headaches and things like that that come along with temperatures. So, so um, the thing that people need to watch out for, though, if they're just like, you know, sitting at home, they don't have any medical knowledge is temperature is usually the first thing that presents and a dry cough. Good to know. Fatigue. Yeah, and fatigue uh, also definitely comes into play. They also say that a lot of patients are having um, like some taste uh, and smell issues. So I didn't really have that at all, but uh, interesting. Um, they are saying, yeah, and nausea and vomiting. There okay. are some GI symptoms. So there. I was going to say, since you brought that up, uh, just on a lighter note, did you – feel like you had a need for more toilet paper than what you already have <laughs> at your house. Well, I mean, so, you know, my mom and, um, my mom goes to the grocery store every day. So, um, and I'm temporarily living with my mom cause I haven't bought a new house in Austin. So, um, no, we have plenty of toilet paper, but when you have the COVID, you, um, go through a lot of, paper towels, like a lot. That's fair. So every time you open the door, you have to have a sheet of paper towel because you have to Clorox it down. Every time you turn the light on, um, every time you touch anything, you know? Um, so yeah, we ran out of, uh, paper towels pretty much. So I bet. Okay. So what I'm hearing from CDC is that symptoms start to appear on average between day <clears throat> five to 14. How long from the time of your, and this might be hard because I know you've, you've taken care of patients for a couple of days. How long from yeah. the time of exposure that you think you had until you experienced symptoms? So I think my exposure was on Monday night and I started having these symptoms Wednesday nights or actually early in the morning on Thursday. 
So okay. like the wee hours of the morning is it's when my temperature quicker. kind of jumped up. So that would have been um, about three days for me. So, um, and then one of the things that they're also saying that's a little bit different about me is that when you when you contract it and you're part of the general population, you, you get in a, a certain viral load. So you, you suck in um, a certain portion of uh, the virus. But because of, and you know, obviously I can't talk about my patient, it's a HIPAA violation, but because of some of the, um, um, because of some of the extenuating circumstances with this patient, I was with him for, you know, a good hour at one point and probably a good 20 minutes later on. Uh, and, and pretty much, um, just sort of sucking in all his air for all that time. So right. um, they think that I just got a really big viral load of it. And, you know, that's why, you know, symptoms kind of started before day five for me. So, All right. So this is a good question that somebody asked. Do you think that after experiencing coronavirus, do you think that the media has overhyped it? Um. I don't at all. Um, I mean, you know me, Heather. I, I'm very proactive on this stuff, and I just I feel like we did actually the opposite. Um, we should have hyped it up back in January. Uh, you know, China China reported this on New Year's Eve um, that this was happening. And then we had our first cases in the United States, what, I think 15, 20 days later. Um, you know, so we, you know, we really should have been talking it up more earlier. So I, agree. Um, I do think that, I do think that there's a lot of information that's going out there that is not necessarily correct. Like the 5G. Um, so in that sense, I think they're overhyping some of some of the stuff, you know. Yeah. So like the 5G I, I really feel like theory. the, um, you know, Plaquenil, some of the drugs they're using to treat it. Um, I, you know, now they're doing emergency uh, FDA approval for COVID for you know to use Plaquenil, and you know, there's really no absolute evidence that it's doing anything but again this is a new virus and so you kind of have to uh you know not only use quantitative measures to measure this stuff but qualitative measures as well that's and fair. i think that's you know some people are seeing patients survive on it and so i think that's why they continue to use it i personally um would not use it because there are side effects to it. So, right. Side effects don't really outweigh the risks. So, yeah. And so, the, you know, the media is making this drug out to be miracle drug, you know. So, essentially, it's really not. You don't feel like media has overhyped it. I, I kind of agree with you there. I think that we should have taken more proactive measures. I think that we all kind of played ignorant in the beginning. Like, we were all those teenagers in Miami at spring break at the beginning. We were like, we're not going to let coronavirus ruin our good time. And then fast forward three weeks and it's escalated quickly. And so we're all like, now we're these like warrior trolls. We're like, stay home. And if you don't, we're going to murder you. Well, you know, because they realize when China was saying that, yeah, this stuff is virulent. I mean, it's out of control. You know, that's what they meant. And I think when we started seeing cases over here in the United States and, you know, you're basically seeing people just look at people and they get it, they yeah. contract it from that person. You know, I think the United States started really, you know, looking like, at this oh, like, oh, okay, <laughs> we should take it seriously. Yeah. But the, the media is always dramatic. You know that. Oh, yeah. But, um, but I feel like they, uh, I feel like they've done a good job. Yeah. I, no I, I agree with you there. So, okay. Shortness of breath is one of the things that you look for whenever you 
contract coronavirus, how did your breathing feel at the very beginning and then throughout the process? And this was, this was a listener's question. So I just want to add to this, that I Mm -hmm. listened to another person's, um, story of how Mm -hmm. their experience was when they had coronavirus. And they basically said that the, that it went in phases, that the first phase was like a mild cold. Then they felt like they were getting better. And then the second phase was like the flu, but the worst flu Mm -hmm. of their life. And then the last phase was the pneumonia phase. And so they felt like their shortness of breath really didn't happen until that last phase. How would you describe that portion of it for your experience? You know, I never really had shortness of breath with mine, and uh, I, I don't have asthma. I don't have COPD. Um, I occasionally do some other unhealthy habits, but you know, um, you know, I, I've just I've never had any any lung disease that, um, you know, that I think was to my benefit. Um, I did have a little drainage, um, and I had congestion. Uh, but it felt more like bronchitis to me. Um, but you know, not everybody, not everybody's COVID progresses to pneumonia. So, you know, um, obviously the other person that you had heard from, they, they did have some, have pneumonia with it. My dad also, my parents contracted this from me, um, you know, because initially we thought it was strep, and so they were, uh, they weren't really, they weren't really around me, but they were in the same house. Did they, did they um, test your parents, or did they just assume based my, on the symptoms? So what they, what they're doing now is presumptive positive. So with the facts that they had, um, they were at Scott and White and Temple. Um, with the facts that they had, that they had been around me, who had. COVID, you know, was positive test because um, my dad had some lab work that you typically see with COVID. Um, he also had a chest x-ray that showed like a lower left uh, lobe pneumonia. Um, so everything on my mom and dad, all their symptoms, just it added up to COVID. And so what's the point in testing if you're going to waste two tests on someone? You know, because um, it's probably going to come back positive, right? Because, and and it's not going to change anything. You and know? they are they so, <clears throat> they're recovering okay. They're doing great. Um, their symptoms are completely different. Um, well, I'd say that my mom had a lot more GI symptoms with hers, uh, but yeah, it's kind of funny. We all three had just kind of different you know, different symptoms, you know, but I, yeah, I'm, I, luckily I never had the shortness of breath, except I think when I had the high fever, my heart rate was really high uh, one day, like 140. And like I said, like they called me on the phone and gave me this information. Uh, and you're like, you're, you know, you're positive for COVID. Um, you know, you just kind of, I don't know, you just stress out for a few minutes and, of course, uh, yeah. you know, stress will make you short of breath. I think that's all mine was because it, you know, I've never had any more since then. So, so, but go ahead. That's a, that is important though. So, you know, people are like, well, what do I do if I feel sick? You do nothing. Okay. If it's just like flu symptoms and like cold symptoms, don't sit there and like, don't go to your doctor, don't go to the hospital, just watch it. And if it gets worse, then yeah, maybe you need to go get tested, you know, but most likely they're not going to test you, you know? So there is one hospital that doesn't test unless they feel like you need to be admitted into the hospital. So, I mean, that tells you how short of these tests we are. Right. Um, but you need to make sure that you're, you know, risk versus benefit. You don't want to just show up at the hospital. The hospital is not a great place to show up because this is where all those COVID patients are. And that's where there's high viral loads on all the surfaces. And, um, you know, so you don't want to go to the hospital if you don't have to. 
So just kind of wait it out. But if you start having chest pressure, shortness of breath, to the point like when you're walking, you can only go like 10 feet and you feel like you're going to pass out. Um, you know, if you're coughing uh, just uncontrollably, um, if you have, um, you know, if your temperature is like jumping up to where mine was, like 104.5, probably need to go at that point. Um, and it's always important for people to have an oxygen saturation monitor at home. Uh, you can get them at CVS or like 30 bucks, but that is the one thing that they tell you to do Worth is it. like every two hours, take your oxygen saturation that's and I, just make sure it's at an appropriate level. Well, that's why so I think I it's... had one and I took mine every two hours and, you know, stayed at 99 the whole time. So, yeah, and I think it's so amazing that we have you to talk about this with, because not only are you somebody that had coronavirus, but you work as an acute care nurse practitioner. So you can give your feedback on actually experiencing coronavirus, but then you can also give some direction to other people health-wise. And I think it's also very important that people don't rush to the ER the moment that they have cough or fever, because all you're doing is potentially spreading it even more. Um, you know, and if you and then if you don't have it, if you don't have it, you're you're chancing yourself of getting it, right? And then, you know, and if you have a mild case of it, remember, your your most of the time your white blood cell counts go down with the virus, and so you're more susceptible to bacteria and and getting a secondary infection that way. Um, you know, so again, I just say, okay, this is when you need to go. I mean, if you're if you're a healthy and well person, if you start having chest pre chest pressure, shortness of breath, uh, your saturations are dropping. Um, yeah, you need to go to the hospital. Okay, um, but if you know you are, you know, and I can't really say me because I think with I probably should have been in the hospital those first couple of days because I was I was not feeling well and my heart rate was up and I was dehydrated and. But I also uh, have a father that's a physician, a mother that's a nurse, and, you know, I have enough common sense, even when I'm that sick, you know, what to watch for. But, right. um, but yeah, I think that uh, that's very important that you tell people, don't run to the ER, you know, it's, uh, and that's a good rule always, you know, give it some time. Things usually uh, straighten out on their own, so. and. You can use that for everything in life. <laughs> okay, so yeah, pretty much. So um, here's here's another. Also, did you go ahead? Did you tell them about? Did you tell your listeners about um, my? And I think I told you this about. Um, so I, I tested positive in Travis County, um, but because I live in Bell County, they had to uh, forward those results to. Bell County, and last Thursday, Bell County inadvertently, accidentally, uh, didn't just post because they usually post a zip code, and then apparently a positive COVID in that zip code, but apparently somebody pushed the wrong button on the uh, on their web page on the COVID web web page, and put our names on there. So no, yeah, you told our, me yeah, we, I... all our names published. I'm so, I'm just saying, yeah. like, thank God that the same thing didn't happen for like an STD situation, you know? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I mean, you know, it's like I say, um, I, you know, everybody in 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 my world knows that uh, I have COVID, you know, and uh, and I was literally number twenty two in Austin, and then the second healthcare provider to get it in Austin. So everybody knows and like, I'm like, I'm never going to get a date again. You know, <laughs> never. nobody's ever going to want to date me. I think you know? it's the opposite. I um, think that somebody would want to date you because they, it, the drama, the drama. Well, the trauma and, and then also my golden antibodies now. So. Yeah. You, they would probably try to get the golden antibodies. So the golden antibodies. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here, here's another good question, uh, because we're seeing so many people compare this to like some conspiracy theory 
And they're like, it's not, it's not bad. It, the flu is worse. So how, how bad is it compared to the flu? So, I mean, I've had the flu three times in my life. And um, I think the worst I've ever had the flu was in third grade. And um, I got, I, it was New Year's Eve. And I was supposed to be at Haley Young's birthday party, and I was so I was so upset because I couldn't go to her her third grade birthday party uh, because I was so that sick, yeah, just like fevers, like out really high fevers, and um, it's hard to remember third grade, but I do remember how sick I was then. This was it felt like a hundred times worse. Did it? You no. Know? Um, again, though, I'm, I'm not a good sick person, even though I work in healthcare, like I, well, you're also you're a guy. an instant baby, you know, <laughs> when I get sick and, um, poor me, I, you know, I feel sorry for myself, but no, honestly, I feel like, um, I think it was a hundred times worse. And then on top of that, you have. You know, all the, you know, I, I have this, I have good common sense and I have book knowledge and, and I know the mortality rates with this stuff, but you're also hearing about like, you know, 600 people a day are dying right now at, at the point I was diagnosed in Italy, you know, and, you know, is it, you, you, you start to think about that and you're like, Wow. So, you know, is this going to, you know, is this going to happen to me? Is, you know, right. um, even though you think, well, you know, I'm pretty healthy. I don't think that, you know, I, I mean, I have a little bit of a high blood pressure. Um, and I don't have diabetes. I, you know, I don't, um, I'm not morbidly obese. I'm not, um, I don't have heart disease. Those are, you know, three of the big things they say that, uh, will make it more severe if you catch it. Um, but you can't help to, I mean, you, you think about your mortality when this happens, you of know, course. and um, I can't say that I didn't think about that. Not that I worry, not that I am fearful of dying. I'm not fearful of dying, but, you know, you, it, it is just kind of final when you start thinking about it. Of and then course, yeah. that's the other thing that is that, you know, people don't realize that you get sick and you get, you know, if you get it really bad, you get really sick and hopefully really you're going to do just fine and recover from it. Just like the flu, just like when you have the bad flu, but you know, with COVID, what they're finding out is that, um, you know, when you get an infection, a bacterial infection, a, a, a fungal infection or a virus, you have a, you know, something that we call um, an immune response. And basically that immune response is what rids the body of the, you know, the foreign substance and or the infection. Um, and that's that's what it's designed to do. But in some people, and so the things that do these are we have these cell mediators or proteins called cytokines that direct all these different types of cells to do different things. And so the cytokines are kind of like your communicators in the body. And so I'm, I'm sure most of your viewers have heard something about this cytokine storm. Uh, and so basically what they're talking about there is some people about day eight have, you know, been doing pretty well, maybe getting better, but like day eight, something happens and they take, take steps back. And what's happening there usually is they're seeing that there are select people who have hypersensitivity or like a hypersensitive immune response, and that's what the the cytokine storm is. And so basically, it's rid. You know, the cytokines already did its job. It rid the body of the infection, but it doesn't know to turn itself off. Right. 
So then it starts damaging all your organs in your body, and you have what we call multi-system organ failure, which um, you don't want happening. No. You know, that's when these people are going on ventilators, and um, they get septic and uh, have emboli and uh, are clots, I guess we should say. Um, and, and that's when they start to, that's where we're seeing the problems. That's when people are dying. And, you know, that's where they're saying that the plaque window comes in, uh, you know, kind of, it calms the immune response. So well, that makes sense. Uh, when you break it down, sense. yeah, when you break it down that way, that it makes sense to use that medication. Um, so yeah, aside, this, this is going a different direction. So a lot of people want to know, okay, if you get, so this is a two part question, you get coronavirus part one, when can you go back into public and live your day-to-day -day, day -day life? I know that's kind of variable because we're all social distancing right now, but then part two is, are you immune from getting it again? Do we know? So, um, yeah. So when you, when you get COVID, so basically I, what, so I, t I tested positive that Wednesday morning, I guess. Um, the days are kind of blurry to me, but, um, so my test didn't come back till Saturday morning, but you know, we could go back and say, oh, well, you've, you've had COVID at least for two days. So the rule is that you have to, to get out of quarantine, to get out of sick quarantine, you have to be, this is what the state, or this is what the CDC says. Um, and so and in, in Texas, the Texas Department of Health is our CDC. So they take the orders from the CDC. So Texas Health called me and they do like an interview with you, uh, which is a lot of fun, you know, because you get to disclose a lot about your life. Um, <laughs> fun for you know. some people. <laughs> and I'm very, you know, you're, you're, you know, just, I don't know. I, you know, it's a very personal thing, but I understand why they need stuff, but. Anyway, um, they were telling me basically that <clears throat> you are good to go back to work because by the time they called me, it was like a week later or actually exactly seven days later. And she's like, you've been a febrile for three days. I'm like, yeah, I actually was a febrile for four days. And she goes, well, as long as you're a febrile for three days, and it's been seven days since onset of symptoms, you're good. Hmm. So, and at that time, they weren't recommending masks uh, for the general public, but for healthcare providers, they said, you do have to wear a mask your first week back, you know, to right. work. Um, but I don't know. I just kind of felt iffy about that information because I've read up a lot about this and I'm like, Viral setting can last anywhere from 21 to 29 days. So oh. if you're shedding the virus still, you know, you're putting people at risk. Yeah. So anyway, I basically felt like it was better to stay out another week. Plus, I was really fatigued at that point and just had no energy. Um, and luckily, my doctors are great and they're like, no, dude, just, you know, stay out another week. Stay out another two weeks if you need to. That's fair. Um, we appreciate yeah, that, but, but, yeah, you just, you know, you got to be careful going back out there because if you are still, you know, shredding virus, I mean, you can contract or you can give it to someone else. Um, right. Now, the other part of that is that the other rule to that is you could actually go back to work sooner. You could go back out into the general population sooner. If you stopped running temperature and you went and got two COVID tests, two more COVID tests besides the one that diagnosed you, and they have to be within 24 hours, and if both of them are, are negative, then they'll let you out of quarantine. Well, good luck. Yeah, we're not going to do that. I mean, they would not even test me. Right. So... Um, That's not going to You know, happen. which I really wanted it because I felt like it was important to uh important to my patients you know that i'm going to be seeing all week 
And so work said, well, we'll figure it out. We'll go, we'll get you the test then. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, that's going to waste two tests for two people that need them, you know? So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I will have been out 17 days total. I think that's a pretty safe number. I so. think so. Yeah. Part B. Okay. Part B. Uh, do you get, do you get, yeah. um, are you immune from getting this again now? Well, they think you are. I mean, um, it's just, it, you know, some people say it's just like the flu. Once you get the flu, you know, you're immune for the rest of the season, but then that immunity dies off. So they're not sure with this if, if, you know, they are pretty sure. I think that, that the immunity will die off at some point, but hopefully by that time, you know, we'll have a vaccine for it or something, right. you know? Well, and so that leads so me into I feel that. pretty good that Go ahead. I, I, I've, I'm probably not going to get it again. There's like a 5% that they saw in China that were getting it again. Um, yeah, that but, would suck. Yeah. So that makes me feel a little bit better going into it because there is, you know, when all this was happening, even, even before I had symptoms, there was, there was anxiety, you know, you didn't know what you're, you can't see this stuff, you know, it, it would be different if you, you know, had like, you know, that you could actually see these little molecules on these faces, right. but you can't, you, know, like you don't gross. know who has it and who doesn't. So cooties. Um, so here's, this was my question and this is the last question that we have. So just to kind of look into the future, giving people a little bit of hope. So why are people donating plasma after they get coronavirus? What are we trying to achieve for the future? Okay. So, so what they're, and it's not for the future, it's for the now. For the now. So what they're doing, what they're doing is, um, so the people who are donating therapeutically, um, so we found out like with um, Ebola that um, there was this doctor that contracted it over in Africa and they took his plasma. He had all these antibodies to it because he recovered, you know, and, and very few were recovering. They took his antibodies and they injected them into people that were like, on their deathbed with it. And then those people were recovered. So, um, you know, they're trying to do that with this now thinking that, you know, if you can take Brant's plasma and give it to Meemaw, who's over here on the ventilator and intubated, uh, because she's 80 something years old and doesn't have a fighting, you know, chance of, of, she doesn't have a chance of fighting it off because she's got diabetes. She's got heart disease. She's got COPD. So as kind of a last resort, they give these antibodies or this plasma um, of mine because it's got all these golden antibodies in it that will hopefully start attacking the virus. That's smart. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a nice thing. Now, I will tell you this. I did sign up online to get mine. and at that time, there were no places in Austin. There is a place now, or there was nobody advertising it. So I, I did mine online at UT Southwestern, and that was, gosh, like eight or nine days ago, and I haven't heard anything. I hadn't gotten a response. Um, but also my fear with this is that, um, you know, I, I mean, I definitely want to give my plasma to someone if, if it helps them, but... I mean, let's face it, I haven't given blood in probably 10 years because I always get asked the same question every time I try to go in to do it. And, you know, I get excluded from giving blood just because of the fact that I am a gay man. Wait, and, um, you know, there, um, if you've had a sexual partner within the year, you cannot donate as a gay man, which is so absolutely stupid. Yeah, why? Because we test the heck out of blood now, you know, before it ever reaches transfusion to the patient. Um, it is not, it is no bigger threat than anything else, you know. 
it's just crazy. And I think it's so discriminatory because so many guys want to go out there and like, I want to contribute to the blood bank. So I want to fill them back up, you know? So I'm worried because not only have I, you know, attempted over the last 10 years to give blood, but I've also attempted to do bone marrow. uh, When one of my friends came down with leukemia uh, about seven years ago, and that was an absolute no, you know, it didn't even, the lady was like, it doesn't even matter if you don't have it, if you haven't had any sexual partners, as long as you identify, you cannot give. And, um, you know, it's just some antiquated fear-based policies that's, out there. Yeah, that's I'm worried though with this plasma that they're going to try the, you know, the same thing. Like, I'm, I'm sure there's a more in-depth questionnaire coming. That's going to be like, oh, no, we can't take yours, you know, which is sad. If I get it, I will gladly accept your plasma. I know you would. (laughs) I mean, I'm, you know, I'm pretty responsible and um, safe minded. And uh, I always laugh because I'm like, you know what? I said, you know, my gay friends, most of my gay friends are, you know, less promiscuous and, uh, practice better safe sex than a lot of my heterosexual friends, you know? Yes, um, I can, but, yes. You know, but, but my heterosexual friends can just walk in and give blood with a green light, you know? Yeah, not, it makes not no being sense. after sexual partners, you know? So it makes no sense. Sad. We got to get away from that because I want to give my plasma. I want to help. Yeah, somebody, so. we have a, we have a lot of work to do in America still, especially with the, with the gay community. So, well, yeah, we've we've come a long way, you know. That's, we have. that's for sure. But but you got to get away from that fear-based policy. That yeah. that doesn't help anybody. I agree. So. All right. So here, the last things that, well, the the last two things that I want to have you have the opportunity to talk about. What do you want the public to know first off? And do you think people should stay home and social distance? Because you know me, and you know how hard of a time I've had with the social yes, distancing. I know. You know, I mean, I, you know, I personally don't, you know, and I told you, you know, you, you had four people on your sidewalk and y'all were six feet apart. Um, I don't even agree with that at this point. Um, Tattletale. I, 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 you know, it, it sucks. I, and I, you know me, I'm a touchy feely person and I'm a, um, I cannot stand to be alone. Oh, it's been you know, I, I, I just, I, I crave company, you know? Um, I'm not codependent. I just like people, you know, but yes, it's so important to stay home. And, you know, we like our group of friends, like Heather and I have a group of friends that we call family and, you know, we've like rocked it with these, uh, we have like zoom happy hours and we stay online for like three hours and, um, yeah, you know, Brent, we're, we're, Brent figuring, we're figuring me. out other ways to do things. I just need to figure out someone. I need to figure out a way to get my spray tan. I need to figure <laughs> out a way to get a haircut, you know? Um, Brant made me you know, go on this Zoom meeting the other night. Like, I was hell-bent. Like, no, I don't want to fucking go on another Zoom meeting. My kids are acting a fool. And he was like, bitch, get on the Zoom meeting now. So I joined, and I look yeah. like half-beaten shit. But I'm glad yeah. that I did. But, but you have to, and you have to pick for, and so that's what I want to tell people is that, I mean, you know how I am with you, like when you get into your, um, you know, your modes of like having Isolation. a little bit of anxiety or something <laughs> over nothing that you can point out that's making you have it. Mm-hmm. It is so important when you, you know, friends have like issues like that. It's so important to push them and make them like help them, just help them. And so like all of you people out there who don't have COVID, um, you know, reach out to your friends um, because everybody's a little bit lonely. And then the other thing with that is, um, so something I experienced during this, I actually was like pretty much quarantined in my room for seven days straight. And then a good probably three or four days after that. Um, And I didn't actually just, I didn't even actually start coming out of my room and hanging out a little bit until my parents got diagnosed with it. You know, at that point I'm like, well, they, you know, 
they're diagnosed. There you so, have it. Uh, it's stupid to separate ourselves. But, um, and I remember it was probably about day, day 10. So I remember like my mom and dad and I sitting down and we're having dinner. I was eating dinner out on the patio at my parents' house every night or you know, all my meals outside. My mom would put them out there and I would go up there and eat by myself. <laughs> and, uh, but then, you know, after they started kind of getting sick and I was getting better, I moved back into the regular part of the house basically. And, um, I remember like my mom and dad and I, so in our house, you always, before every meal, you, you always bless your meal. And it's just one of the things in our house you do. And we hold hands and we do it. And I like, you know, I grab my mom's hand. I grab my dad, dad's hand. I'm like, this is literally the first people I've touched in like nine days, I think, you know? It's almost born, and, right? I feel that way about booty even, right now. I couldn't even touch the dog, you know, which is your most therapeutic thing in the world. But, you know, they're saying that the, you know, the virus, not that it affects the dog, but it lives in the dog's hair. Um so Ooh, I didn't know that, you know, get, like, I will tell you that it was like, I was sitting there some nights and I would be like, like, I just need like somebody just to come sit in the corner and just, you know, do whatever, just sit there. But like, if you have someone that gets this, know that they're going to be quarantined and just check on them. Just, uh, Every day, check on them. You know, I can't tell you. I mean, I I, ne I couldn't get off my phone because I had so many text messages and phone calls and whatever, you know. I mean, I literally couldn't get off my phone ever. But, you know, that's nice to have that. Right. Um, but, you know, some people um, isolate themselves more than I do as far as, like, mentally isolate themselves uh, just because they're prone to doing that. Um, so you really, those are the people I worry about because you gotta, um, they're, they're not going to reach out to people. Oh, I could totally relate really to that. Smart, I'm the know? person that's like, so, just leave me alone to die. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I was like the first two days. I mean, I really, and in, in fact, that first day, well, the day after I got tested, when the temps started going up to one, 104.5, my parents actually had to go to Waco. And, um, at, I, can't, I can't remember what they had to do, but it was just a quick trip. And I remember calling them at one point and I'm like, I'm going to the ER. I'm, I'm going right now because I was just like, dude, I, that temperature just will make you feel like you're dying. Oh, I, can imagine. That high. I was like, man, I'm dying. And they were like, can you just wait till we get back? I mean, we'll be there probably in like 30 minutes. And I'm like, nope, I'm going. Nope, you know? this is it. And, the light uh, is. I'm like, y'all can't take me anyway. I mean, you know, you're you're going to get infected if I ride in the car with you. So just uh, let me die. But I hung on. I talked myself out of it. <laughs> I'm like, Brant, you have a, you have a high temperature. You're you still have just life fine. to live. You know, your your heart rate's a little high, but you know your blood pressure is okay. And so I kind of talked myself out of it. And, um, but I will tell you this, if you, if you don't, if, if you did go to the hospital with that stuff, like I was having those days, I wouldn't blame you. I mean, right. you really should go, but, um, I'm a little bit different of a patient because I have a little bit more knowledge. And, and then I also have like the best nurse and the best doctor in the world that were with me at the time, you know, um, they, they weren't gonna let anything happen. So, but yeah, just reach out to people, you know, and it's, it's just such a good role to do. in in general, it's scary right now. You know, I still have a job. Um, I don't know how much of a 401k I've left, you know, and, and I mean, I, I, that's scary to me, but, you know, there's so many people out there that, I mean, they have no job, they have no, um, no backup. Um, it's just, you got to have a little gratitude for what, 
what you do have, you know, because there's people far off that are much more worse. Much more worse off. off, That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Well, Brant, I think that's it. I can't wait to see you. And like, I'll never take another hug for granted. Like, even if we talk shit to each other, we're going to do it with so much more passion and touching because after this, like, I can't wait for any kind of human interaction mm-hmm. whatsoever. But thank you so much mm-hmm. for coming on here and agreeing to talk with me yeah. before the news people. Yeah, if anybody has any questions, they can email me as well. Um, just send a quick email. And What's your um, email address? It's, so it's, yeah, it's Brant, B-R-A-N-T. E-R-W-I-N, so Brand Irwin, all one word, no no dot or anything, at iCloud.com. Awesome. All, all right, Brant, I cannot wait to hug your neck. I love you. Uh, love you. All right. Mwah. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. So if you're still here listening, thank you so much. Um, I know that was a lot of information, but um, I I feel like it's information that's obviously necessary because we just we haven't had the opportunity to really hear from people that have experienced this coronavirus. So, um, again, I just want to thank Brant for coming on here and having the courage to talk about it. Um, And I, I, you know, hope that you guys got a lot of information from an actual accurate information and not just stuff that you hear from social media so i love you guys um if you want to continue hearing me make bad jokes please subscribe on itunes leave me a review good or bad i promise i'll learn from it if it's bad and please share this podcast with all your friends and family also if you're not already following me on instagram please do so at injector underscore heather i will talk to you guys next time be well stay safe stay well stay home 